This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of pigmented villonodular synovitis from the pathology section on orthobullets.com. Pigmented villonodular synovitis, or PVNS, is an idiopathic monoarticular neoplastic synovial disease, and it's characterized by exuberant proliferation of synovial villi and nodules. So again, PVNS is an idiopathic monoarticular neoplastic synovial disease characterized by exuberant proliferation of synovial villi and nodules. As far as the epidemiology of PVNS, this is most commonly seen in adults age 30 to 40, but can occur at any age. Prior test question patient ages have been 16, 30, 31, and 37 years old. And keep in mind that there's an equal incidence in men and women. As far as types of PVNS, there's the localized type, which is the intraarticular or classic form. There's the diffuse or extraarticular extension type and giant cell tumor of the tendon sheath. As far as the localized intraarticular or classic form, the knee is the most common site of involvement, making up 80% of cases, and then to a lesser extent, the hip, then the ankle, the shoulder, and then least commonly, the elbow can be involved. As far as the diffuse or extraarticular extension type, this behaves differently from the localized type. And finally, giant cell tumor of the tendon sheath occurs along the tendon sheaths of the hands and the feet. The etiology of PVNS is now thought to be neoplastic in origin. It was previously thought to be chronic inflammation or trauma-induced hemorrhage. As far as genetics for PVNS, it's associated with a 5Q33 chromosomal rearrangement. Again, it's associated with a 5Q33 chromosomal rearrangement. There's also an increased expression of the CSF1 gene. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. There's an increased expression of the CSF1 gene in PVNS. With respect to the prognosis of PVNS, local recurrence is common. Moving on to the presentation of PVNS, 50% of patients will have a prior history of trauma to the area. Patients may have symptoms of pain and swelling, mechanical pain and limited motion, as well as recurrent atraumatic hemarthrosis, which is a hallmark of the disorder. On physical exam, in the intraarticular form that is classic PVNS, make sure to evaluate for joint diffusion and erythema. In the extraarticular form, which is giant cell tumor of the tendon sheath, you may see palpable masses seen along the tendon sheath, and these masses are usually painless and soft. Now let's go over some differences between localized PVNS and diffuse PVNS, and we'll talk about various characteristics such as location, age, gender, presentation, findings on radiographs, MRI, and recurrence. So with respect to location, in localized PVNS, the hands are most commonly involved, and then the knees, specifically the anterior compartment, and then to a lesser extent, the ankle. In diffuse PVNS, the knee is most commonly involved in approximately 75% of cases. As far as age, in localized PVNS, 30 to 50-year-olds are affected, and in diffuse PVNS, patients less than 40 are typically affected. As far as gender, males and females are equally affected in localized PVNS, whereas in diffuse PVNS, females are more commonly affected than males. As far as the presentation of localized PVNS, you will see a painless, swollen joint, and patients typically have long-standing symptoms. As far as diffuse PVNS, 
patients will have painful, swollen, and tender lesions with limited mobility. As far as radiographic findings in localized PVNS, you may find osseous erosion from localized pressure, and in diffuse PVNS, radiographs may show degenerative changes on both sides of the joint. With respect to MRI in the setting of localized PVNS, you will see a well-circumscribed soft tissue mass, and in diffuse PVNS, you will see an ill-defined or poorly circumscribed soft tissue mass. Finally, with respect to recurrence, in localized PVNS, you will see an 8% recurrence after synovectomy, and in diffuse PVNS, you will see a 30% recurrence after synovectomy. Moving on to imaging, radiographs may show a cystic erosion with sclerotic margins on both sides of the joint. Again, radiographs may show a cystic erosion with sclerotic margins on both sides of the joint. A CT scan may also show cystic erosions on both sides of the joint. An MRI provides excellent delineation of intraarticular and extraarticular disease. It will have low signal intensity on both T1 and T2, and this is due to hemosiderin deposits. You may see what's known as a quote-unquote blooming artifact, which is signal loss on gradient echo sequences, and this is because of iron in hemosiderin. You will also see the presence of a fat signal on T1 within the lesion. MRI can also evaluate extraarticular extension of an intraarticular process. Specifically, you will commonly see posterior extension outside of the knee joint. Some other studies to be aware of include arthrocentesis, in which the aspirate will be grossly bloody effusion. Gross appearance on arthroscopy will be a brownish or reddish inflamed synovium, which is typical of PVNS. You will also notice a frond-like pattern of papillary projections. Keep in mind that a synovial biopsy should be performed if there is any doubt of the diagnosis. On histology, PVNS appears as mononuclear stromal cells infiltrating the synovium. You will see highly vascular villi with hyperplastic synovial cells. You will also see hemosiderin-stained multinucleated giant cells, pigmented foam cells, otherwise known as lipid-laden histiocytes, and mitotic figures will be common. As far as treatment of PVNS, this can be either non-operative or operative. Non-operative management is observation. However, there is a minimal role for non-operative treatment if the disease is symptomatic. Operative options include total synovectomy, specifically anterior arthroscopic or posterior open for the knee. Other options include external beam irradiation. Total synovectomy is classified as a marginal excision. This is the preferred technique, and the indications for a total synovectomy is in grossly symptomatic and painful disease. The techniques for intraarticular disease range from arthroscopic partial synovectomy to fully open total synovectomy. This is dependent on the extent and location of the disease, and keep in mind that frequent recurrence is common, which is mostly due to incomplete synovectomy. As far as the technique for extraarticular involvement of PVNS, marginal excision is adequate for giant cell tumor of the tendon sheath, and recurrence, which is common, is treated with repeat excision. External beam irradiation, when combined with total synovectomy, reduces the rate of recurrence to 10 to 20%. The dosing for external beam irradiation is 30 to 35 grays in 15 fractions, or 50 grays in 25 fractions. The differential diagnosis for PVNS includes synovial chondromatosis, hemophilia, and inflammatory synovitis. Now, let's go over the surgical techniques for PVNS in a bit more detail. 
We'll talk about arthroscopic synovectomy for localized PVNS, arthroscopic synovectomy combined with open posterior synovectomy of the knee for diffuse PVNS, total joint arthroplasty and synovectomy, as well as total synovectomy and arthrodesis. As far as arthroscopic synovectomy for localized PVNS, you will use routine arthroscopic portals for the knee, ankle, and shoulder. As far as the technique, you will perform as thorough of a resection of the synovium as possible, and this is excellent for focal or limited PVNS. Postoperatively, you will generally treat with some rest after the procedure. The pros of an arthroscopic synovectomy for localized PVNS is that it is a minimally invasive approach, and patients will have a quick return to function. The cons is that you are unable to access the posterior portions of the joint, and you are unable to address extraarticular disease. Moving on to arthroscopic synovectomy combined with open posterior synovectomy of the knee for diffuse PVNS, this is the preferred method for diffuse PVNS. As far as the approach, a posterior approach to the knee via a transverse or S-shaped incision across the popliteal fossa is carried out. The approach is between the heads of the gastrocnemius and make sure to retract the neurovascular bundle to access the posterior joint capsule. As far as the technique, the disease is often seen posterior and extraarticular to the knee. The technique will involve complete posterior synovectomy and resection of extraarticular disease. The pros will allow the surgeon to fully address all disease sections and allows for thorough synovectomy. As far as the cons, a posterior approach to the knee requires approaching the neurovascular bundle. Moving on to total joint arthroplasty and synovectomy, this is indicated in advanced disease with severe degenerative joint changes. This is applicable to the knee, the hip, and the shoulder. Finally, as far as total synovectomy and arthrodesis, this is indicated in severe disease of the ankle. Now let's quickly talk about some complications, specifically recurrence, as well as skin necrosis and radiation-induced sarcoma. Recurrence is the most frequent complication for both intraarticular and extraarticular disease. Remember that there's a 30% recurrence rate despite complete synovectomy. Keep in mind that there are the same rates for complete open versus open plus arthroscopic. Rates can be reduced with the addition of external beam radiation. Moving on to skin necrosis and radiation-induced sarcoma, these are obviously complications of radiation therapy. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Intralesional surgical resection is considered standard of care for which of the following conditions? And the choices are 1. High-grade sarcoma surrounding a major nerve, 2. Intermediate-grade solitary fibrous tumor, 3. Atypical lipomatous tumor, 4. Tibial adamantinoma, and 5. Pigmented villonodular synovitis. The correct answer to this question is 5. Pigmented villonodular synovitis. So if you have good situational awareness and know that we're going over questions about PVNS, you should have gotten this question correct. But to quickly review, surgical margins include intralesional, meaning you cut into the tumor, marginal, meaning you resect directly at the interface between the tumor and normal tissue, wide, where you resect the tumor with a cuff of normal tissue surrounding the tumor, and radical, where you resect the entire compartment from which the tumor arose. Intralesional excisions are not acceptable for high or intermediate-grade tumors. Atypical lipomatous tumor, while a low-grade tumor, 
has a propensity for local recurrence and as such is removed using either marginal or wide excision depending on the associated morbidity based on tumor location. Pigmented villonodular synovitis is treated with synovectomy, that is either open or arthroscopically, which is considered an intralesional excision. Moving on to the next question, which of the following is the preferred treatment for symptomatic localized pigmented villonodular synovitis or PVNS of the knee? And the choices are one, observation, two, external beam radiation therapy, four, intraarticular radiation therapy, four, resection of the nodule only, and five, open complete synovectomy. The correct answer to this question is four, resection of the nodule only. So localized PVNS is a variant of the disease process where the synovial proliferation occurs in one area and usually presents as a discrete mass. It has been effectively treated with complete excision. This may be performed arthroscopically or with arthrotomy. Complete synovectomy and radiation therapy are unnecessary to eradicate the localized form of PVNS. And moving on to the final question, what is the most common location for localized pigmented villonodular synovitis, or PVNS, to occur? And the choices are 1, the ankle, 2, the anterior knee, 3, the posterior knee, 4, the hip, and 5, the elbow. The correct answer to this question is 2, the anterior knee. So localized PVNS is a form of the disease in which synovial proliferation is restricted to one area of a joint and causes the formation of a small mass-like lesion. The true incidence of this is unknown, but is probably less common than the diffuse form of the disease. PVNS presents as a usually painful discrete mass. The anterior compartment of the knee is the most common location. That's all for this review about pigmented villonodular synovitis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.